0: Hey guys, welcome to The Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve.
1: And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health and the challenge.
0: Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here. and Welcome back to another episode of The Challenge Weekly Show. In today's episode, I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today?
1: Hi Coach Steve, I'm really good. I've still got chalk on my hands from lifting some
0: stuff. Listen, lift them some stuff. I hope that chalk is on your hands from this morning and that yes, it's yeah. not a remnants from over the, over the weekend. Um, so what, what were you training this morning? You're doing some deadlifts.
1: Well, I was, I was doing it. Uh, yeah. Just a few cheeky little deadlifts. Um, yeah. So that was really good, but basically just in a sequence of, of training back. So it was, it was very difficult, but very good. I loved it and I'm very happy with myself.
0: I love that. I love that. Difficult, but good, because that's essentially what training is. It's always challenging. So it's uh, not easy, but at the end, it's always good. I'm feeling good afterwards, right? We sure do. Uh, How's your training going? Yeah, it's 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 ticking over nicely. Um we've gone through a bit of a, a strength building phase and now transition back into a little bit of like that hypertrophy phase for the next block of training and then we transition back into some strength work. So it's good. Um it's fun and um yeah, I've just been going down my rabbit hole still going deeper into velocity based training. So really dorking out with some numbers which I which just 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 love. It's awesome.
1: Oh yeah, well that's exciting.
0: Now, Nick, let's first talk about last week. Last week, uh, we took a little bit of a break. We took a break for a week, so there was no podcast last week. We're sorry, uh, but we move on. We're here. We're here now for episode number 107, and we're just coming off the back of Easter. Nick, how was your Easter? Do you, is, it, is it big in your family? Do you celebrate it? Do you go out and party? Or do you do the, the egg hunt? What do you do?
1: Well, now that the girls are a little bit older, it was funny because it was the first time that they actually weren't home on the Sunday morning because they were both staying at different people's houses because they're very social. They're more social than us. So I had, I've got, I had all the eggs for them, took photos and said, Happy Easter. <laughs> that's what happens when the girls are teenagers. They don't want to hang out with us. So Shane and I went to the comedy festival on Saturday night. So we were out in Melbourne at the comedy festival. Look out so yeah, I went out of the house after about 6 p.m.
0: wow that's crazy i i, I couldn't imagine that
1: <laughs> yeah it was insane i'm telling you so uh yeah it was it was good but lots of walking um i snuck in some extra well not extra i snuck in some training sessions um that i should have done so perfect but it just felt like it was a luxury because i didn't have to be racing from a to b doing school things and stuff so really good how about you
0: uh, we survived the Easter weekend. We survived. Um, yeah, my, my boys, you know, five months old and now uh, close to eighteen months old. So it was, uh, you know, George, my eldest, his first like real kind of Easter where he's like walking around doing things. So we did a little the, the little hunt for the little eggs around the house. Um, and of course, he put it in a little basket. But then somehow that basket kept on getting emptied around the house as he was doing laps around the house. So that uh, that kept him distracted for a good half an hour or so. I'm um, a little baby, little baby Henry, five months old now. Um, yeah, just getting more more and more animated and mobile and big, Nick. I'm going to have big boys, my two weightlifters. Um, so yeah, Easter was, was good. Easter was good. Um, but we're getting back into it. But look, I want to talk about Easter or more broadly about the idea of what happens if you come off planned? Now, when, you know, some things like Easter comes around, Christmas is another big one or any other social events comes around, we are tempted to have foods or, you know, other consumables that are not on our plan. And, you know, we're referring to things maybe like alcohol, things like chocolate, things like, you know, dinners that aren't, you know, maybe within your meal plan, your strategy, what the, the challenge is, is offering you. And that can come with its own anxieties um, and also a little bit of, uh, you know, self-beating upness, right? Where you kind of go, oh shit, I I really shouldn't have had that drink or man, I really shouldn't have had that Easter egg. And that then leads into these feelings of derailment. Oh, I'm off the wagon. Oh, I've thrown I've given it all up. I've stuffed up. You know, it's all over. And it's really this all or nothing kind of mindset of if I'm not 100%, then I'm nothing. And I'm just want to tell everyone right now that it's okay. You know, over the weekend, over Easter, if you had a piece of chocolate, it's okay. If you had more for, for dinner than you normally do, it's okay. If you had a glass of wine, and it's okay. If you, um, you know, went out to brunch and that wasn't part of your plan, it, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And it's about what we do next. Because, you know, if we look at the food that you've consumed in isolation, it might have been an extra 50 calories, might have been 100 calories. Heck, even if it was an extra 1,000 calories. If you were to zoom out more broadly into the bigger picture and figure out how many calories did you consume this month, right? This month. So if you're averaging, let's say, 2,000 calories a day, 30 days in a month, right? We're looking at what? 60,000 calories that you've consumed in a month. So if you've then consumed an extra 1000 calories, you've consumed 61,000 calories this month. So again, if you average it out over that 30 days, even if you had an extra 1000 calories on this meal, um, on this one day over the month on average, you know, it might average out to an extra 50 calories, less than that 30 calories, or even less than that, if my math is is correct, uh, you know, per day on average. So it's not the end of the world. And it's about how we kind of continue. Okay. Okay. So, for example, when my son had chocolate for the first time, we had actually given him chocolate. So we broke up a little egg and we gave it to him, and he he had a piece, and he wasn't sure what it was, and he had to want another piece, and he grabbed one, and he actually put it in my mouth and ate it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I I ate some chocolate. Oh, you know, I'm I'm not a bad person, but you know, that doesn't that didn't mean that I then ate all the chocolate in the house, that didn't mean that I then said, "Up, oh, well, throw in the towel. I might as well bring out the booze and, you know, go out for, for pizzas for dinner tonight. And, you know, it's all over because I had that one piece of chocolate. And sometimes it's as simple as that. We have one small thing off our plan and then it's just, uh, it's all over. We throw in the towel. So I'm here to tell you that it, it, it's not over. It's a, a lifelong journey. And in a way, if we can develop some skills in uh, going off plan, long term, it's better for us. Okay. And what I mean is that if we are so strict where we say no, 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 all the time, as soon as we have a food that is off the plan, we don't know what to do. So we kind of throw in the towel and we just we we just give up. And we go through this process of what, of what we call disinhibition, where if we were to have a piece of chocolate, a piece of cake, you know, a piece of candy, you, you name it, our inhibition to stop that is is gone and we kind of can't control ourselves to have more so sometimes it's can be better if we did have a little taste here or there and you know oh, i had a piece of chocolate and you know the end of the world oh i'm at my my kid's birthday party i'm gonna have a slice of cake it's okay it's gonna be fine i'm gonna have a a a cookie next month and you know we we have some of these foods that are off the plan despairingly so that if we are in a position where we do have something off the plan we only have one piece we only have one bite we only have one you know taste of something we don't have the entire cake or you know the entire tub of ice cream or the entire bottle of wine right so i just wanted to say that if you did go off plan last weekend over easter it's okay we go back onto it we continue with our plan we continue with our training program and remember that fitness this this thing that we're trying to do is is for life it's not you know this small window of time
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is probably a strange example but or like analogy. But yeah, if you get a speeding ticket, do you give up your whole license and go, well, that's it, I'm not driving anymore? Or do you go, okay, I've had to think about that. That's not something that I want to do all the time and move on. Although speeding is probably worse than having a bit of chocolate. (laughs) But I'm just thinking don't be extreme. There's no need because also extreme behavior is something that is unsustainable. It doesn't matter. You could sustain it for five years, but then something happens and you're off and running. Yeah. So you want to. You want to say to yourself, "I can have whatever I want. It's just that I choose not to." And then you watch those eggs are not going to be as as interesting as what you think that they are. It's just because you keep telling yourself you can't have them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe a different uh, example would be if you were saving up for something. Right. And this is a, an example of, of me when I was younger, uh, early twenties, um, I really wanted to go overseas, go backpacking in, 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 Europe. Right. So I was working as, as much as I possibly can and trying to save every single dollar. And I was the stingiest person going around cause I was trying to save every single dollar I could. hmm so that is very similar to being really restrictive with your, your food intake. You know, I was really restrictive with all my, my dollars coming in and out and I wouldn't spend anything that was, you know, unnecessary, okay? Um, and then one day I remember, oh gosh, I needed like a new pair of, uh, a new, new piece of clothing. I think it was like a t-shirt or a pair of shorts or something like that. and. Once I bought that pair of shorts, I kind of went through um, like this disinhibition where I went on a mini shopping spree. And before I knew it, I spent a couple hundred dollars on things, I think it was more clothing related. Cause I was like, oh, well, while I'm here, I need some shoes and I need some socks and I need a t-shirt. And I need a new jumper and oh, I might as well get the jacket cause I need that overseas and stuff like that. And what I found was that, you know, as soon as I let go for that one moment, because I hadn't spent any money for a really long time on on you know things that maybe not necessary, I couldn't control myself, I went on a mini shopping spree. Okay. And if I was maybe a little bit more relaxed and said, oh, well, yeah, okay, we'll get a, a cup of coffee once a week, or maybe I will, you know, kind of uh, go to the movies with with my friends, you know, th- this week and such like that, where I was spending a little bit of dollars here or there, that might have saved me more dollars in the long run, because I didn't go on the shopping spree where I spent, you know, a couple hundred dollars. I strategically spent small dollars here or there, just to kind of, keeping me keep me going, right? So uh, maybe that that analogy sits with you. Maybe Nick's uh, mm-hmm. driving analogy sits with you. Uh, but the idea is that, you know, sometimes strategically having some of these things that are off our plan can lead to better adherence long-term because it stops kind of like a binging episode or stops like the throwing of the towel or the derailing of the wagon, as some people talk about.
1: Yeah, and it's all just numbers anyway. So those eggs are made out of numbers. So put your numbers in, work out where your numbers sit and move forward. Yeah. Eggs are numbers. Numbers are eggs. You like that, Coach Steve. That's your favorite thing.
0: Yeah. Some would say that they're (laughs) excellent. That's right. (laughs) Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have the community highlights where we highlight some members of our community. So Nick, take us away. Who would you like to highlight this week?
1: Okay. So my friend Bridie Lee. So she says, one of the reasons I keep my grip strength up and she's got a picture of a snake, a giant snake. I don't, I wouldn't say a giant snake, but a snake snake removal from underneath a lady's home locally. Nice, big, healthy, scrubby licensed and highly experienced catch snake catcher. She says, um, do not attempt this yourself. I don't think anyone is thinking of attempting it themselves, but just in case that's the little warning, um, the little caveat. So, uh, yeah, Bridie and I did a podcast together when she came runner-up in one of the challenges, and um, yeah, she referenced quite a bit about her lovely um, relationship with with rescue animals, and it's it's a really endearing part of of Bridie's character. It's my favorite bit about her because she adores all animals. So you should have a listen to that podcast. She's also got some really good advice um, about balance actually and how she's discovered balance and how she's discovered weight training and how it works for her. So yeah, I recommend jumping on that podcast.
0: You know, it's a very cool po- podcast. And I did see that photo that Bridie posted in that snake, uh, I, w- I would call it large, but I also don't know, uh to compare it to anything maybe like a like a anaconda is is, is a large snake I don't know um Nick I've I've got a really silly story and maybe Brian's listening to this maybe she can give me some advice I have a lot of possums around my house yeah and some of them are quite large you know probably as big as like my forearm in 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 length Um, and they're very loud they make lots of noise and they carry on outside they're running around the fences and the trees and all the things and my little cavoodle dog goes nuts right she hears them in these crazy times so when we take my dog out to go to the toilet before bedtime, you know, we open the door and usually it's a scutter in the backyard. You know, you see that all the possums running around because so I open the door and I turn the lights on. I'm sure these possums running everywhere. And the dog runs out after them and, you know, and off they go. And just the other night, one possum didn't scurry up into the trees. It was kind of just like resting on like the, um, uh, like sleeper at, in my backyard where the retaining wall is, right? And I was sitting there just chilling. And I just didn't know what to do if, like my dog got near this possum, right? Um, and what, how I would st- like save my dog, right? Or do I grab the possum? Do I give a little, little push? Do I like grab a stick? I don't, I don't know. Um, so yeah, maybe Bridie can let me know what do I do about my, my my possums just chilling out in my backyard. Um, but here's the, mo- the the bigger question. I like chili, okay, and I have a few chili plants at home, and some of them are quite. Spicy chilies, okay? And, you know, those really small um, little red chilies. And one plant had quite a number of these chilies, uh, say a few dozen chilies on there. They were ripening. I was waiting for the right time to pick them. And I came out one morning and the ch- chili tree had been raided, as in a possum or something got to this chili tree. And I just don't know if something ate all the chilies on this tree, if like it would have been okay. As in I don't know if like the possum or i'm assuming it was a possum ate all these chilies like are they having like a moment somewhere in the neighborhood because they just eaten like a lot of really spicy chilies so. I just don't know if it's a thing. And I don't know if I should be worried about this like chili craving possum that's going to be like high on capsaicin or something like that running around in my backyard. Maybe it was that one possum that was chilling on like my retaining wall has just been like loaded up with like chilies and is ready to party. So I don't know. Brighty. give me some advice. What can I do about my possums in in, this, in the, the area around me?
1: Well, I just Googled it. So there's different um, things to do. I, I just Googled can possums eat chilies? <laughs> but um, yeah Bridie's the one who will be able to tell us that and I would love her to tell us all about possums and chilies possums
0: and chilies I'm going to guess that the possum isn't chilling after these chilies
1: no but but I wonder though if the reaction in a possum is the same as as in a human so it'll just be interesting to know that mm. is fascinating to me I wish we could have an animal rescue challenge as well <laughs> I'd love that okay <sighs> Anyway, that's nothing to do with what we're doing right now. So back to reality. We've got Sketch Angela Jane. That's the name. And Sketch Angela says, "Absolutely amped AF." We know what that stands for. With my progress, I feel a depth of change within myself that's all oh, that way more. That's way more greater than what I see in my progress photos. So that's good because um, change does start from within. That's my little bit the mental and emotional shift that i've experienced during this challenge is my greatest accomplishment thus far and i'm so freaking excited to keep pushing positively ahead i'm so appreciative of all of the support encouragement guidance and inspiration this fit fam has offered you're all rock stars let's go y'all and kick it up to our highest levels for the last four weeks of the challenge y'all
0: y'all love that love Mm -hmm. that so good
1: So good. I can't say anything else about it because it's just the best. But I do love. I do love. Like I said, that um, it's changes happening from the inside first. It's really important to understand that because, you know, the outside doesn't change until the inside does. Ooh, deeper, meaningful. All right. Next one, we've got Natalie Parry. So Natalie Parry says, hit my first PBs in a very long time. Most of this challenge has been me getting my all-over strength back to what it was 18 months ago. So very excited to lift as heavy as I did on leg extension, leg press, and lying leg curls. Look out. (laughs) Quadzilla.
0: Quadzilla. Natalie hitting some PBs. Mm -hmm. I love that. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, we love a good PB.
0: Yeah, it's so good, Natalie. Congratulations. I've got a couple here, Nick. Uh, the first one goes out to Candace Earl uh, Eberl, Eberl, Candice Eberl. And Candace writes, any other mums out there take their little ones for a walk in the pram and hate that it doesn't record your steps. Oof. And I like this one because I wanted to highlight it because it, it, it spoke to me, Nick. It spoke okay. to me because uh, my partner Laura loves to track her steps, um, but would drag me along for walks uh, so that I push the pram and she can walk normally so that her steps can count. So uh, for any other parents out there who is uh, not enjoying taking their kids for a walk in the pram because when they hold onto to the pram, it doesn't count their steps, just drag your partner along and make them uh, push the pram and it's all sorted, I reckon. So um, Candice, yeah, you're speaking to me right now and uh, I love that, congratulations.
1: Yeah, well, or if you don't have that, you can always do the thing that people suggest to just chuck your, your device in your sock or somewhere around your leg, as yeah. long as you don't lose it, because then that is a moving part of your body.
0: That's right. Well, before we had two kids, when we just had the one, um, Laura, my partner, was able to push the pram with one hand and then walk with the other hand. Uh, her, her other arm would like walk like a, str- a stride. Um, so that solved the problem when you push with one hand. But as we now have two kids, it'd harder to push both of them with, with one hand. Um, Yeah, so that's the other thing is you could just strengthen one arm, right?
1: Isn't it funny how we're so reliant on devices? Like I do my walk every day, but if my Garmin goes flat during my walk, I don't feel (laughs) the same strength. Mm.
0: Nick, next one here goes out to Joanne Sadler and I like this one. I uh, should a photo with it and she writes, had to dress up yesterday, couldn't go where I had to go in my gym attire. I was told to dress up like I had an office job to make a good impression. And she posted a photo of herself in a department store and she had like a suit and some trousers on. Um, and I think I related to this because I live in active wear. Nick, I think mm. you live in active wear too. So whenever I have to put on clothes that are not active wear, I kind of had to scratch my head and look at my wardrobe and go, oh gosh, I, I don't, okay, I'm going to have to put something together. Um, and it feels weird when, you know, you're not wearing like technical clothes that, that don't stretch and breathe. Um, so uh, yeah, Joanne, I feel you. Uh, yeah, enjoy, enjoy clothes that other, that isn't gym attire. It's a, it's a weird feeling.
1: I always have to have a touch, a nod to the gym within mine. So it might be some really nice um, trainers or something. I don't, you know, something. There just has to be something. And if people can't accept that about me, then um, I just can't do business.
0: <laughs> Love it. Uh Nick, last one goes out to Rochelle and Endicott. And Rochelle writes, One of my goals for 2023 was to lift all the weights at my home gym set, 75 kilos including the bar. Week one, my deadlifts was were 32 kilos. Today they were 57 kilos progress with a little clap emojis. Sometimes I need to check myself when I see my max is many people's warm-up weight around here. Those people are inspiration for what is possible. I remind myself that everyone is at their own stage of their journey to keep to keep my eyes on my own lane and what others are doing doesn't change my own success. So Rochelle, firstly, congratulations for maxing out the weight uh, on your home gym. Uh, I think you made it. No, one of my goals was to lift all my weights uh, in my gym set, 75 kilos. So I think she's really close, 57 kilos. She's got about another uh, 18 kilos to go, which I think will come very, very quickly. And you're right, you know, you always know somebody who um, warms up with your max. And uh, I know people that warm up with my uh, max weight. And I'm sure many people out there know people that warm up with their max weight. And that's okay, because we are all on our own journey. And we, you know, as Rochelle says, staying in in your own lane. Um, Because I know that people who warm up with my max have been lifting for a lot longer than I have, um, or uh, able to put a lot more effort into their training, or just genetically really gifted at things like deadlifts. And that's okay. That doesn't um bring me down and it doesn't make me feel anything less than that. So uh Rochelle, thanks for highlighting that for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um at my gym, I've got IFBB wellness pro Denae and um she can pendulum squat uh for reps, my max like I cannot, I will never, never be able to do what she can do on the pendulum. So uh, yeah, I'm just saying there's always someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, there's always someone. Yeah. Nick, let's move on to our final segment here. We have the question and answer segment. So, the first question here comes from Ian. And Ian, uh, maybe less of a, of a question, but he writes, just putting it out there, I find that when I train somewhere other than my regular gym, everything seems heavier or I feel like I lose strength. Obviously, psychological, but interesting. Have you had this experience? Nick, what would you say to Ian?
1: I would say first up that maybe the plates are calibrated at um, the gym that you're using that you're working at because some of them I mean if it's a a professional kind of powerlifting gym they they have those plates and they're for real so I'm not saying that yours are not for real but there's that sometimes I mean it depends what your plates are made of that over time um, if they're not those steel ones they they can lose a bit it depends I mean I'm sure you use more expensive ones than 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 that, but some of them I know um, the old ones have some of them had sand in them, not not necessarily Ian's ones, but yeah, I just think um, home gym equipment, things that you use at home, even if it does come from you know a certain certain place, might not be as expensive uh, and I suppose as well put together as um, calibrated gym equipment. Um, the other thing is also yeah, as you said, psychological um, maybe you You have that sort of extra bit of of adrenaline that then drains you a little bit, uh, maybe you have an expectation on yourself it's It's a fine line. Um, but yeah, I would just say that probably the weights are actually different. That's all.
0: yeah, interesting one. Um I find uh, actually the opposite. So when I'm at home, um you know I'm in my garage, maybe there's uh, less stimulation in my in my garage at home when I know that. You know, my my house is just on the other side of the wall there. Um, I train with a power bar, so a very stiff bar. um, And I um, lift on my garage floor, which actually has a bit of an incline, Nick. So if you watch any of my videos and I'm doing things like deadlifts, the bar is actually rolling away from me and I have to kind of pull it in close to me before it rolls away again. Um, So when I do go to a commercial gym, I'm often using like an Olympic bar, which has a little bit more flex in it, and I'm on a flat floor, so when I go to do things like deadlifts, I'm often stronger with my deadlifts when I'm in a commercial gym partly because of the equipment is a little bit easier to deadlift with, and then two is because of the environment is more stimulating you know there's lots of light music people you know it's 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 place to work out. Rather than my garage where you know half it's you know storage, the other half is you know some garden material and then my, my weight equipment and then you know my my, my house on the other side of the wall there, so I think that's one aspect and then like you said, um, you know different equipment. um. You know we, we when we train we adapt to the equipment we adapt to the kit that we use so when we change our kits that's a new stimulus so if you are normally doing a leg press at home and lifting x amount on this one particular leg press that you have at home i'm pretty sure ian has a pretty nice gym that we're all pretty jealous of so if he's doing a leg press at home and then he goes to a commercial gym it's a different leg press so of course you may not feel um, as strong on, on a different piece of equipment but I would agree saying that like that psychological, and I refer to the environment, how stimulating it is Is probably massive. And like you said, Nick, if you were really uh, stimulated, has a pre-workout, you go to a gym, lots to take in, you know, that could place extra stresses. And you may find that you're not as strong because there's a lot more going on around you. And the main takeaway I would say is that Depends on the individual. I find I'm sometimes stronger in like a commercial gym environment. The the environment makes me feel stronger, um, and then sometimes you're you feel stronger at, at home. So lots of lots of variables to consider. Quite um, interesting idea. I like it.
1: Yeah, true. It could also be that you've you've eaten at a different time prior to training because you've had to drive there. Like we could think of a yeah. million things. And the other thing that I also just want to say quickly. I know we're going to move on, but um, where he goes, I feel like I lose strength. Uh, what's the evidence? Because you, you might feel like that, but what are your numbers? Mm-hmm. Does it just feel a little bit more like a grind, or is there, is there actual evidence of this?
0: Yeah, no, that, yeah. that's that's a good point. Yeah. But, hmm. Yeah. Because, like, hmm. yeah, you're right. Because you could say you feel like you lose strength, but, like, all right, are you measuring it? Are you measuring velocity? Are you measuring reps? You're measuring the weight that's that you right. use? It? Is yeah. it because at a commercial gym, you have a mirror in front of you, but at home, you don't? So it feels different. There's more to it, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, the, the feel like, we really can't use that as evidence. It's like, if I go and I say, I feel fat or something and it's like, okay, that we don't have any sort of way to yeah. quantify that. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. My last uh, point I make before we move on is as I look into more of this like velocity-based training stuff and I get to see at the speed of the bar that I move, sometimes I would do a set and my like, gosh, that felt heavy, right? Feeling. And qualitative information is always good information but oh geez I felt uh, felt really heavy and then I look at my video back and I look at the data of the sp- speed of the bar and often it's like some of the fastest the bar has moved meaning that it's actually the most powerful probably the strongest I've been but I felt really heavy so it's interesting that this feeling that I felt really heavy correlates to the fastest I've ever moved this weight so sometimes the actual quantitative numbers is different to the qualitative words that we use to describe something.
1: Yeah. Ian might really like that um, software that you use actually.
0: Yeah. Go check it out. Um, it's Ian? a free app, free app called Metric. Um, they're developed by a team in Oakley in Melbourne. So very local to, to us, Nick. Um, mm. And yeah, really cool. Metric app. Go check it out. Uh, get, get, jump down the rabbit hole of velocity-based training.
1: Bet you Ian would love that shout out to Ian. I bet you he'll be into that if he's not already. Yeah.
0: Let's move on to our next question here from Laura and Laura asks question. I'm doing M plus the first two exercises have an extra set. If it's an exercise like deadlifts and I really struggle with them, um, doesn't matter if I do an extra set on a different exercise, say squats instead, should I move squats to the start and rearrange the order? I feel like I'm overthinking it, but I feel like I get m- more out on different exercises, depending on how my body feels on the day. Lots to unpack. Let's speed run through it for Laura. Firstly, if you were to swap an exercise, for example, like a deadlift for something like a squat, those two exercises aren't exactly alike like for like. You know, within what we're trying to do with the challenge, we're trying to build as much muscle as we can or maintain as much muscle as we can. We're trying to use exercises to stimulate muscles. Things like a deadlift, primarily using muscles like the glutes, like the hamstrings, like the erector spine, or the posterior chain, however you want to look at it. But uh, mostly we're talking about glutes, right? Whereas the squat, more likely using muscles like the quadriceps. And sure, you can argue, oh, there's a little bit of glutes involved and things like that, sure. But for the sake of this example, deadlifts will say is primarily a glute exercise and squat would say is primarily a quad exercise. So if you were to make a swap like a deadlift for a squat, you're taking away some volume from your glutes and then putting it towards your quadriceps. What you could do is simply utilize the algorithm on the M challenge app and swap out the exercise like a squat for another, uh, sorry, like the deadlift for another like for like exercise, maybe a a hip thrust or an RDL or something similar, instead of making like a a, a massive swap like a squat. Now, in terms of the exercise order, you are correct where we want the primary exercise, maybe we're doing the most volume for that day, which is why they might have more, volume in there more sets and this is only relevant in maybe some more of like the advanced like programs you might not see it in all, all our programs so if you were to swap something like that yeah you probably want that to be first that you focus on that the primary exercise and then the following exercises are you know maybe secondary like exercises so it's not um, the, the the main exercise you're focusing on for that day the final point I'd say Laura is when you're saying you know, I feel like I get more out on different exercises, depending on how my body's feeling on that day. And that is completely 100% true. 100% true. Love it. Where, you know, the idea of auto-regulation or kind of making those swaps or changes, you know, tailoring it to how we're feeling or how our body's feeling, um, even on a day-to-day basis is 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 great. And sometimes we program exercises like squats. Nick and I love our squats, but for some people, you know, it's just they've been doing it for for years they just they just don't like it it doesn't work for their body it just it doesn't feel nice on their hips or their knees or their ankles whatever it is but you swap it out for like a a hack squat their quads just blow up like crazy that's just made for them right and you can go on with that conversation the hack squat machines different machines some hack squats i feel like my quads are about to blow up the other ones i, I barely feel it in my in my quads I feel it all in my like my knees. So it does depend on our body types as well. So when it comes to like day-to-day changes, we can make some day-to-day changes, but if you're gonna throw out your entire program and restructure it all on a day-to-day basis, you might have some limitations. So if you were to walk in the gym and you see your programs and it says squats, deadlifts, split squats, uh, and you hate all three of those movements, um, and every week you're like, well, today I don't feel like it, so I'm just gonna do something else. You might be shooting yourself in the foot, where you might feel like you might you might benefit from doing your program, doing those exercises, even if you don't feel like doing them, because you know that they're going to be good for your body, right? You know, especially these big bang for your buck exercises: squats, deadlifts, bench presses. These exercises are bread and butters for most programs. If you walk into the gym every week and say, "Ah, oh, don't feel like it this week." you're going to not feel like it every single week, right? So there's a point where you need to say, hey, I, I, I've i got to suck it up this week and and do my squats or do my deadlifts or, you know, whatever exercise you need to do so you can continue to see growth. So it is on a spectrum where you go, yeah, sometimes you can make those small changes, but you wouldn't want to be doing that every single session or you may face some some problems long-term.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I don't know when I ever feel... I don't necessarily ever crave any of the exercises, but but I think it's, yeah, once you get into it and once you can see yourself improving, um, it becomes quite addictive. So try and get addicted to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I agree. I never, uh, you know, have an addiction to doing the lift itself. And often the first set, I'm not super excited about doing my weight. But once I get into like my second or third set, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I can do this. I can get this done.
1: Yeah. I know that's the other thing to be mindful of sometimes for people that the first set isn't always indicative of how you're going to go because sometimes you can feel like absolute shit in your, in your whole warm-up and then something happens and you go whoa wait a minute I'm warm now game on yeah that can happen that can it's happen. a thing it's a vibe
0: it's a vibe mm. Nick next question here from sketch the sketch was in our uh, CUNY highlights now question from sketch and sketch writes hi y'all y'all Quick question for anyone willing to offer some advice as I'm not real sure how I should progress from here on deadlifts i've been stuck. At lifting 65 kilos for three sets of 12 for the last few weeks question is should I increase the kilos and do fewer reps or decrease the kilos and do more reps. My rest time is two minutes, which I don't think I should reduce at this kilogram weight as it's taking me at least two minutes to get my breath back and I feel my legs again. So Nick, a little bit to unpack, what advice would you give to Sketch?
1: Oh, firstly, uh, yeah, you're auto-regulating nicely there, let me just say. So you are listening to your body uh, about your rest. So it's taking you at least two minutes to get your breath back and feel your legs again. Okay, so that's your basic requirement. And then you might need another minute just to get your head back in the game, let your heart rate settle and get back into it. And that is absolutely fine. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I really think the times are over where we're, we're like, um, you know, no rest, rest is for the week you know those people don't tend to progress they tend to get injured and and things so uh, when you're doing something like a deadlift honestly you know you, your 3 minute rest is is absolutely fine um i'm sure you agree with me coach steve on that there's nothing wrong with with resting for that amount of time um, so there's that just to say so if you're stressed only because of your rest time and maybe another minute would make you feel better about it then let's end the conversation there and say have the other minute okay the second thing is I reckon you've achieved your, tw- your 12 reps. I-, I think this mentality of being stuck at the three sets, 12 reps, I don't think you're stuck. You're achieving it. If you were saying to me, I- I'm getting you know 12 and then I'm getting, you know, grinding out 12 and then I'm getting seven and I'm stuck there. It's like, okay, well, we need to work on this. We need to work on maybe your technique. We really need to look at that rest. But I think you could go, once you've got your rest sorted out and you you figure that out, you could go up a little bit. You could go to 70 and just drop the reps. I would say uh, go for 10 and see how that feels. So um, I don't think that you are stuck. I think that you just need a little bit of rearranging. Of course, it depends on your goal. So I'm guessing because you're looking at that weight and you want to progress to the next level because who doesn't? It's about strength. So I would say um, give the 70 a crack providing that uh, you feel like you could do it first up, um, and secondly that you are listening to that rest time. But three sets of twelve is t- it's time to go up.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, now, with with our training programs on the M Challenge, we have our beginner program, which is simple rep prescription about ten reps for for the entire program. Simple number, double digits, aim for ten. As we move into intermediate and advanced we introduce concepts of rep ranges so for intermediate programs most rep ranges are between 8 to 12 repetitions and then for more advanced it's a bigger rep range because People have better understandings of their body, how it moves, that type of thing. So, um, I'm gonna assume that Sketch is maybe this kind of intermediate, maybe introducing that eight to 12 rep range. And maybe they've forgotten about the rep range and maybe not unsure and a bit unsure about how it may work. So, the idea between eight to 12 reps in a range is if you are making 12 reps easily, then we want to increase the load or the weight that we lift so that we're maybe at the lower end of that rep range, maybe eight reps. And then we stay at that weight until we are able to get nine reps out, 10 reps out, 11 reps out, and then 12 reps, right? So if you're doing three sets of 12, that's an indication that we're ready to progress the weight, but you don't want to increase the weight so much that you are now out of that rep range. So you don't want to go up to maybe 100 kilos and you're only able to do that for two reps because that's not you know, eight reps. So we're gonna be choosing a weight where it's probably challenging to get to maybe that eight rep rep mark. And then we stare at that weight until we're able to get that ninth rep out. And then maybe in a week or two, we able to get our tenth rep out in our sets, and then maybe the eleventh rep out. And then once we're in that 12 reps again, then we progress the weight. So I'm just introducing that concept of rep ranges. So I'd say sketch, yeah, let's let's get the the the, the weight up a little bit maybe to 70, see if you can get maybe 10 reps, or maybe if you get eight reps, that's okay. You're still in that rep range. Um, and then we work on getting up to 12 reps with 70 kilos. And then we, we progress again. Hmm. Nick, final question here from Tammy. It's a really long one. Maybe to probably need to unpack it. Let's go through it. Tammy, hi coaches. I'm trying my absolute hardest to add more muscle. I really wanna see the results with this. I noticed my week eight check-in, I not really seeing a change. How can I push myself and make sure I'm getting all the benefits to get there? I'm on close to 1,800 calories. Sometimes I do hit 2,000 calories. My goal is to not lose weight, but to gain a bit also, which I think is needed to build muscle as well. I'm not sure if my digestive issue can be slowing this process for me or not. Also, I feel like I'm at a complete standstill. Uh, Any help or ideas, uh, please throw them my way. Regards, Tammy. Nick. Mm. let's talk about building muscle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now um, we probably sit here for our entire podcast talking about building muscle, but let's just kind of unpack what Tammy is asking us. Uh, so it sounds like she's really trying to build, on mu- build muscle. She's not focusing on losing body weight and she thinks she needs to build as in to gain body weight, which is absolutely true. If we want to add more tissue to our body, we want to add more muscle we need to add more weight because we're increasing the total mass that we have. So if your goal is to build muscle, yeah, your goal should be to be gaining weight. Now we recommend a weight gain rate of about 0.5 to 1% per month. So it's a very slow weight gaining rate and that percentage of your body weight. So let's say for me, I'm about hundred kilos. So per month, I wanna be gaining about 500 grams to one kilo of my body weight per month. Um, and that's measured out on like a, a weekly average. So I'm not measuring myself, you know, the 1st of April, and then I'm gonna measure myself on the 1st of May, and then determine that that's a kilo, because that, that kilo could be just because I drank a liter of water. We want to measure averages, right? So that's what we recommend, is a very slow weight gaining rate. And the reason why is because muscle takes a really long time to, to gain. And especially once we are in this intermediate to advanced phase, or really anyone who's been training for more than, let's say six months, and this is, you know, consistent training for more than six months, you're going to have a real hard time gaining muscle. And, uh, you know, let's say for myself, I've been training for, you know, more than a decade now, for me to gain muscle it's a very slow and takes a really long time to gain any significant muscle, right? A lot of it is genetic factors, but most of it is to do with our approach to training. Okay, so that's the first point we're going to stop at here, Tammy, is we may need to reflect on our overall approach to training. And I might not have the answers for you, Tammy. You may have the answers yourself. But when we're training, we're going to be focusing on our resistance training, so if there is other noise in our program like lots of um, you know commitment to cardio goals or lots of um, other busy work like uh, sports or other physical hobbies or a physical job. That may be interfering with our approach to resistance training now when we are resistance training, we need to first hone in on our execution of the technique when we're executing a technique. It needs to be consistent and repetitive over time, so when you film yourself each rep should look identical right? It doesn't matter exactly how you are performing that rep, right? You're not going to go in and lose your hair over, oh, did I tilt here or bend here or whatever. As long as each rep looks the same consistently over the set, happy days, you know, that's a that's a great execution. What is poor execution is if each set looks completely different to each other, right? Or at the start, it looks really controlled and then at the end, it looks messy. Okay, not a great set. So that's the first thing, execution should be consistent from uh, rep to rep. Each set, you should be taking it close to failure. And what that means is that you are unable to do another repetition. And here's the thing, Nick, when we train, often people are afraid to go to failure or they don't like the discomfort that comes with failure. And what they do is they introduce things like swinging um, or bouncing or using momentum or essentially cheating the rep. So they make it easier for themselves, which adds to more like tiredness, yeah, I feel like it's busy work, I'm you know, getting work in, but it's not effective work. So an example is like a bicep curl, you know? It's really rare to see someone do a bicep curl and it's really strict, clean bicep curls, and we stop when we're at failure, because what most people do is we maybe lean our chest forward a little bit, start swimming, swinging our arms, cut the reps a little bit shorter, and essentially cheat the reps so that we get to a certain number without actually getting to failure. Or we make ourselves tired, make ourselves sweaty, but we don't actually achieve failure in our muscle. And this can take time to learn and understand. Okay. Next from training, we need to assess our food intake. And Tammy's referenced a few numbers, 1800, 2000. And again, that that's uh, a little bit uh, meaningless, you know, it doesn't have context. So we need to measure that against our body weight changes. So if she's gaining weight at a rate of about 0.5 to 1% of her body weight per month, great. That, that number could be effective. If her body weight is, is staying um, you know, a, as it is over that time, okay, maybe you could be adding more fuel. And if you're losing body weight, then you're not gaining body mass. So you're probably not gaining muscle, right? So we're going to be at a point where we're gaining body weight. And that's how many calories we're gonna be consuming. Within nutrition, we wanna make sure that we're reaching protein targets of about two grams per kilo of body weight. Make sure we're ticking that box there. Broadly, we wanna be looking at things like our sleep quality, our overall stresses, to make sure that we're recovering as best as we can. And then finally, we do need to reflect on how we're measuring our progress, okay? So measuring muscle gain can be really challenging. And if you were to get photos like eight weeks apart it, it, it may be difficult to to actually measure the progress and you may get more progress in one hour, Nick, when you go and train to get a pump, right? So if I was to, you know, I haven't trained today, uh, if I was to take a photo of me now and then I was gonna go train like upper body and I have like a pump in my my shoulders and my pecs and my, my biceps and I took a photo, that could be a massive, massive uh, transformation in one hour, which does not actually represent Muscle change—it uh, just represents a pump. Okay, so to measure muscle gain, really hard to measure with photos. Again, really difficult to measure with measurements because if I had a pump in my chest and my biceps and my back, everything's going to be bigger after one hour of training, right? So again, can be difficult to measure. When it comes to weight changes, it can be challenging because we go, well, if I'm just gaining body weight, how do I know if it's muscle or body fat or fluid? Right, it can be tricky, but. We can start to point our finger and go, all right, you know, I've gained five kilos in body weight this year. Okay, so I'm gaining more mass. Also, in my training, I'm stronger in my training, I can do more volume, I could do more work, so my capacity is increasing as well. Tick, tick, tick. So I'm getting stronger, my performance in the gym is getting better, my um body weight is slowly increasing. And objectively, when I look at myself in the mirror or measure myself, It's not that I'm gaining five kilos of body fat. You know, maybe my body shape is staying similar to what it is. Okay, these are all ticking the boxes for muscle growth, right? If I'm gaining body weight, right, I'm gaining five kilos, my performance isn't changing in the gym. I'm not getting stronger. I'm not able to do more sets. You know, I'm not getting better at my exercises. And I'm starting to get measurements that are, you know, not really suggestive of muscle growth. Maybe, all right, my belly's getting a little bit bigger. Uh, My body, when I'm taking photos of myself, you know, I'm looking like I'm a little bit more out of shape maybe you're not gaining muscle mass, maybe you are gaining some body fat. So these are ways that we can kind of detect muscle growth. Finally, I just want to touch on the strategy once again. Uh, we do see lots of uh, folks out there in the broader fitness community that would tout things like, oh, you know, you're, you're building muscle and losing fat at the same time. The ultimate goal is what we've got to do. And yeah, there is some truth to that. Maybe over the course of twelve months, you could gain a small amount of muscle and lose a small amount of body fat and stay at a homeostasis over twelve months. And yeah, you know this is something that you might want to do. And for some folks, that's not really like a a, a impressive outcome where we go, oh yeah, I've gained you know maybe two hundred grams of muscle, but also lost two hundred grams of body fat. You don't see a really drastic change in that person. And you know for twelve months, you probably worked really hard to try to make that change or a more effective strategy is to go through a process of muscle growth where you go, hey, I'm okay with gaining, let's say 3% of my body weight over the next three months so I can focus on gaining as much muscle as I can. Then over the next three months, I'm going to focus on losing the the gained body weight, right? And our weight loss rate that we recommend is 0.5 to 1% per week. So that 3% that you gain over three months could be lost within, you know, three weeks if you was truly body fat, right? Which we hope that we're gaining some muscle mass with that. So what we what we recommend is, you know, focus on a muscle building phase. So you build as much muscle as you can, then change and focus on a weight loss phase. And these are things that, you know, Coach Nick and I do over the past, you know, ten years, where we go through phases of muscle growth, and we go through phases of, you know, weight loss, muscle growth, weight loss, and it's even within gym culture where you go, hey, bro, are you bulking? Yeah, bro, I'm bulking. Yeah, you're shredding, bro. Right? It's, it's within gym culture of what we do because we know it's the most effective way. Think of it like you're trying to learn a language. If you wanted to learn, let's say, Mandarin and uh, Italian at the same time, sure. Over twelve months, you could be studying as hard as you can probably really stressful and you might be able to learn a little bit of Mandarin and a little bit of Italian at the same time over 12 months or you could spend six months focusing solely on Italian and then six months afterwards focusing solely on Mandarin and you'll probably find that you're proficient at both of those languages focusing on six months at a time rather than trying to half-ass both languages at the same time over 12 months and you know interfering with each other. So my advice Tammy you're on the right track, focusing on uh, muscle building, a little bit of patience, a little bit of reflection, a little bit of uh, you know, self-development goes a long way. Um, make sure you're ticking those boxes like we spoke about. And I'm sure that you know, over the next, I'm saying like five years, we'll probably see some significant muscle growth over eight weeks, you might be scraping the barrel to see something truly, truly significant other than a pump in the gym.
1: Yeah. It takes a long time. It's worth it. Start today. There's nowhere else to go. That's the other thing. Like once you've lost a fair amount of body fat, you know, you really got to jump on the other bandwagon because there's nothing else to do unless you want to maintain where you are. So um, there's, you can't keep dieting all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm. I totally agree. Nick, let's wrap it up there episode number 107 of the challenge weekly show. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know. And we'll catch you next week for episode number 108. Woo! Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend.
1: Or leave us a review on iTunes. to Spread the good word. See you next time.